Okay, Andy, I'm going to make this one shorter if I can. It's a really long question, but it's a good juicy one. So there's an ED for a youth serving nonprofit, and they have this educational summer program that in, in short, basically got mandated to go through some new licensing requirements by the state and have a registered nurse on site. So this ED's wife is an experienced registered nurse and has been filling this role for the past few years at no charge. So doing this for free. So when the ED started doing research to other programs like theirs, they found out that they pay that that most organizations pay a nurse between five to eight grand for these services. And so while this this ED knows that, you know, professional services can't uh, claim be claimed as a charitable donation, he does feel like there should be some sort of tax break that his wife should be able to get or that they should be able to get from all of this donated time that his wife has given. So. He basically wants to know, would there be anything wrong with gaining permission from the board to hire his wife at a comparable fair market rate? And then he and his wife would make a cash donation of that entire amount paid back to the organization. And that is the question. Boy, is that a doozy, isn't it? (laughs) It is. So so I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to try to simplify it by breaking it up. So the... They, you know, without all the the background, it sounds like there is a, 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 a the ED wants to wants to hire his wife, um, and at the same time wants to um, make a donation back to the organization for however much the the wife was getting paid. So, so when you take those two things separately, like there's nothing wrong with it at all. Like no. if you, you know, you can, you can hire anybody that's related to you. You just, you just want to make sure you go through your typical conflict of interest process and say, like, I should just recognize that I'm now hiring my wife and that we're going to have to go through a process with the board so that, you know, I'm not setting her salary and we're not doing all kinds of things that the IRS hates. So, so that all by itself is fine. The second thing all by itself is also fine. Like I would like to make a donation to my organization in the value of how much they pay me. Like that is completely legitimate. I, I, I would love for more organizations to do that, right? Where the, the ED just like, I make a ton of money, so I'm just going to give it back, right? That's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. I think where it gets sticky is by tying those two things together. That's where it becomes like an uncomfortable thing is that we said we want to do this thing that's subject to the conflict of interest rules. And we also want to do this thing where we're getting some, we're, we're going to make a donation to the organization. So by tying them together, what you're what you're in danger of doing is breaking the conflict of interest rules because you're kind of messing with the conflict of interest rules. And also there's this sort of feeling that by by making a donation back to the organization that you work for and then directing that money to an employee, like so the IRS isn't going to look at it the way you did, which is I'm going to pay my wife and then I'm going to make a donation for the same amount. They're going to look at it the other way around. They're going to look at it as I'm going to give a tax deductible donation to pay my wife, right? That's yeah. how they're going to see it. And so by connecting those two things in that way, you're you're probably going to get in trouble. So so as long as those two things aren't connected, as long as as you pretend you never asked us this question and the conflict of interest section is completely separate 
and the cash donation that's being made back to the organization does not happen to exactly match the amount that your wife is getting paid, I think you're probably okay. <laughs> but if you connect them together, I think you're just, you're asking for an audit. You're asking for somebody to go, this isn't cool, even though, you know, you mean it to be cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I feel the same way as you. When I, when I heard this at first, I got really concerned and I realized what was concerning me was the connection of those two, the interrelation between those two. And they are two very different separate things. And candidly speaking, you know, the organization should know, like, right, that's sort of like an in-kind donation that's been provided up to this point um, for the past few years by your wife. But that should be tracked anyway. So you know that that was an expense you already would be paying. So the difference is now you're just going to pay it. Yes, you're going to happen to pay it to your wife who's qualified and has done this. And then it's a completely separate thing. You guys can decide, hey, maybe you want to give twice as much as whatever, you know, she's getting paid to the organization for your own tax purposes, but they are separate. I think the key thing for me also just goes back to the communication and being super open. I mean, I know you said this in your question, right? Like getting permission from the board to hire your wife, but yeah, you that's just the stuff where when that's not handled transparently, that's what creates lack of trust and doubt and wondering if you're trying to, you know, do play inside favors, which you're not, but really just being kind of open about that is is important in this point. And yeah, disclosing that conflict, I think is important. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's actually not going to be as, you know, this, this person who wrote into us with the question, uh, wanted to make sure they didn't make us cringe. And this, this made me cringe when the two were tied together, but doesn't make me cringe when they're separate. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, this is something that I would recommend to any any ED of any nonprofit is you should always be making a donation back to your organization 100% of the time. And, and you know, somewhere in the back of your mind that some of that might be actually paying your salary. Like those things are sort of inextricably connected because you are making a donation to the organization and you're also getting paid by the organization. The difference is that you you didn't you're not endowing a chair of yourself, right? You're not you're not trying to get a tax deductible donation for yourself for for paying yourself. That those two things can't go together. So as long as the organization is not earmarking that money for for that particular activity, you're you're fine. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit with your host, Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Andy Shurek. I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Stacy Wedding, and we're here to answer all of your nonprofit questions. So the way this works is you send us an email, you go to the Nonprofit Everything webpage and you click the contact us button, you tweet at us, you go to the Facebook. Don't tweet, no you tweeting. Tweet. You can, we'll get it, we'll get it. <laughs> Anna. I, do, you, do you actually check the tweets, Andy? I do, well, I've got a notification thing that if somebody, okay. if somebody, if somebody ats us or sends us a, like a direct message thing, that it will tell us. So uh, I'm not a I'm not a social media user. Say that. Oh, I think we all know that from some of our <laughs> prior episodes. Social media user. So, but I guess the point is, find us somehow, send us questions, and we will do our best to answer them. Or if we don't feel like it, we will get a guest expert to come in and uh, tell us things that we don't know. 
And we love getting guest experts. So ask us really hard technical questions because those are the ones that make us go, hmm, we need to find somebody that can answer this one. Um, and with that, uh, we will, um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> was happening there at the end. <laughs> I don't know what I was about to say. Today's episode is sponsored by the HR Collaborative. The HR Collaborative was formed to help build nonprofit strengths through improved human resources. It provides professional development opportunities, networking, and sharing of best practices on HR issues faced by nonprofit organizations. The Collaborative meets bi-monthly. Membership is free and open to anyone who works for a nonprofit and has HR responsibilities. For more information or to attend an upcoming meeting, visit their website at www.hrcollaborativelv.org. Check out the Nonprofit Everything show notes for more information. <laughs> so what do you have against golf tournaments and gala events for fundraising? I love this question. Are they considered frivolous and not worth the expense? What about more casual in-person events where food and entertainment are donated or are marketing dollars better spent on ads and mailings? Wow, Andy, I feel like we may have created an enemy given they, They're what calling us out. They're calling us out. out. Bring it. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could sit there and say, oh no, I love golf tournaments and galas. Um, and I really can't, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Can you, Andy? I mean, like, really, like, I um, Here's the thing. I, I can love them if there is a way to really have a mission call to them. Like if there is a way, but most of the time, that's not the way these are handled, right? Like, so you've got a golf tournament that's one of many. You've got a gala that's one of many. And if it's not done well, like you have no clue by the time you left, you don't even remember by the time you're out in your car, what the nonprofit's name was, what their mission was. Like, I mean, I think the ones that are done really well, like, if they can do that well and somehow um, maybe pique the interest of people who attend, although I'm skeptical about that because most of the time people who attend just really want to golf or you've got like a really cool course or the gala is just like where all the movers and shakers are going to be. So, so I just I, I guess my inherent dislike is that it's like um, it's like galas are like and I and golf tournaments are like the one night stand for donors, right? Like that's the way it feels. That's the way it feels. I love that analogy. Right. Yeah, but I think I, I, I so the 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 list of the reasons that I don't like them. Um, so as during my time as CFO, like when I was primarily a CFO, my my the one thing that I would always go to about why I didn't want to do them is because they were an inefficient use of resources. Yeah. So that was my go-to, but that was my go-to because I was CFO. That was like the one thing I had control over. So if you're going to ask me, do you think this is a good idea? I'm going to say, I don't think it's a good use of resources, right? Because that's the one thing I'm allowed to say. But what I wasn't allowed to say is like, it's, it's lazy fundraising. It is, it is, I mean, one night stand is a good way to look at it, but it is almost like the when when a when a new board member joins your board and the first thing they say and has no experience with anything and the first thing they say is, "Why don't we go get some government grants?" I hear there's lots of government grants out there, right? It's it's like not understanding the 
sort of the overall universe of how money is raised. So gala events you typically see in baby organizations that are brand new and have no following or anything. They don't have they don't have donors. They don't have a direct mail list. They don't have any fans really. They just have an idea. And so rather than rather than having conversations about the need and the mission, it's much easier to have a conversation about a party and what the signature cocktail is going to be. So so it's 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 taking the purpose for your organization, the reason that you're going to be a nonprofit, the reason that you're trying to do what you're trying to do and saying, you know what? It's actually not that important. Like I might show you a garbage video, but it's the reason we're here is because we've got all these sweet silent auction items to sell. We've got a signature cocktail. Neil Diamond impersonator is going to be up in a minute. Um, all of these things that have nothing to do with your nonprofit. And it's because you, just the sense that my mission isn't important enough to grab somebody to have them give me money for no reason. So instead of doing that, I have to come up with a product idea. And the easiest product idea is some sort of party or let's go golfing or miniature golfing or racing cars or whatever it is. I don't know if lazy. So it's interesting because I, I don't think lazy is is I know what you're trying to get at, but I don't think that's the word we want here. <laughs> this is where Stacy just rescues me. I say something stupid and she's yeah, like, you don't mean that. But let's just be candid. <laughs> if you are a staff member, any staffer who has had to put on a game oh. or a golf tournament will tell you it sucks the life out of them. There's yes. no quicker path to burnout because of working around the clock, dealing with a crazy committee of people who want to choose like the centerpiece or the colors of napkins, whatever, right? Like all of the moving pieces. And, and that's the part that I think where you're going with this, Andy. I mean, part of this is like the inefficiency of staff time, like put the monetary value to staff time and it's being spent for six months out of the year planning this one night thing where most of the time donors come and go and it is more about the party than your mission. And that's like, so the organizations, there's some of them out there, and you and I have seen these, right, that are doing it well and figuring out a way to make the mission front and center and have fun along the way and incorporate that into a larger development plan. That's that's one of the touch points. There's actually follow up afterwards with some of the people that were there, like truly that are doing this as part of a larger development strategy. Then I'm all for it. If you've got, you know, the bandwidth and capacity and you can wrap it into something that's a bit more thoughtful and strategic right but it's so many times it's born out of this this board member fear of making a traditional ask right oh good i don't want to have to really ask someone for this mission so let me ask them to come to a cool party instead and that drives me nutty yep yep i agree 100 percent. and thank you for rescuing me i don't mean i don't mean lazy and that it doesn't take a lot of work i mean you're exactly you're exactly right um, and, th and then the other thing is, and we've seen this 100% of the pandemic, everybody that was that minimized every other kind of fundraising specifically because they were good at throwing parties or they, they were used to throwing golf tournaments and that was the way they did their fundraising have now discovered that that's a dangerous position to be in. Because if you can't have a gala event and you know you, my inbox is filled up with like, how to make your virtual gala amazing. And it's like, it's never going to be amazing. Like nobody wants to do it. It's like, I don't, it's, you could try, uh, but it's, it's not, it's going to be really, really hard. And so, so 
recognizing that, I mean, of course, we've talked about this before, like nobody was like had pandemic on on their um, SWOT analysis under threats, right? So the, the, but, but making sure that you've sort of, just like you're gonna do with your investments, that you're gonna make sure that you're, you're sort of well diversified in different areas, that, that there is a place for a gala because some people, that's how they wanna give. That's, there, there is a class of donor for whom a gala is what they like, to, how they like to do it. They're not really interested in the, they just wanna go smoke cigars with their buddies you know, once the stupid video starts playing. So, so if you're, if you're trying to get money from those folks, maybe the gala is the way to do it. Maybe there are people who love going to golf tournaments because they're really good at golf and they like beating the crap out of other people at golf. The other thing is I think about this from both the, the organization staff putting this on, but also, also I think about it from like a funder and corporate sponsor perspective. I'm not sure if you've had those conversations, Andy, but I have. And there are so many corporate funders that say how much they can't stand these events and that none of their higher ups want to go and that they're doing it, whatever, just because they always have or there's some, you know, big shot that they have to do it because that person's on the board of this. But then they invite all of their um, their employees that maybe lower on the food chain and can't even participate in a meaningful way because, you know, every silent auction and live auction item and everything that night is so expensive. So, so I guess for me, it's like, yeah, if you're looking for just a fun party or a fun time and you have countless money to do it. Okay. But like, I don't think that's what anyone goes into this with. Everyone has these grandiose things of how much money it's going to raise how much visibility they're going to have as a result. And I think I just, I guess I just really want to check people on those assumptions are wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and, and the, the folks that are like really love these kinds of events will point to the events that are, that do raise a ton of money, that raise absurd amounts of money and have like really rich people in the room that are willing to, you know, pay $150,000 for somebody's, private jet to a private villa somewhere, right? So, so if, if that's your strategy for reaching those donors, if you really don't think that you're going to be able to get money out of somebody, unless you throw a party like that, maybe, maybe that's a useful tool. Um, but if it's, if it's your run of the mill gala, where we're just throwing a party as an excuse to not have to do other kinds of fundraising, like you're, you know, you're, you're never going to pay it off. And, and I just got to throw in like my, my biggest pet peeve and maybe not my biggest, but one of the top five is the, the word friend raiser is that the, 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 they'll come and they'll say, here, we want to do this event and we're going to spend this much money and we're going to make this tiny, tiny bit of money, but it's a friend raiser. We're really just there to tell, you know, let people know about our mission. And it's like, it feels like that seems like a, just a really kind of weird way to explain to somebody what it is that your nonprofit is supposed to be doing. It, it just never, it always felt like it was just like the lazy way out of, of saying, I said lazy again, but maybe I don't mean lazy, but it's the, the quick way out of coming up with a better development strategy. Yeah. And I think it kind of, I think this question, I mean, there's, there were the other questions, right? Like are marketing dollars better spent on ads and mailings or what about like a casual in-person event where food and entertainment are donated? I guess for me, like all of those questions have to do with you as a nonprofit 
what is your who's your target audience what's the overall plan and where you're trying to get and that diversification piece you said because some nonprofits literally are set up that events are great because of just some of what you're talking about who their target audience who their donor base is and some are not so you've kind of got to know like your constituents and instead of what so much happens in the boardroom because let's be honest most of the time these events come from board meetings oh god right like oh let's have an event oh i just went to this organization's event and but they have no clue like what that organization what their assets and resources are from like a human being standpoint and maybe they all have people that are party people so it makes sense for them but maybe your organization doesn't so this feels like just the thought and strategy kind of this is where and I know we come back to that a lot, but it really is where it all boils down to. Our organization struggles with saying no to new programs, services, and basically any opportunity that comes our way. Our tendency to say yes to everything results in us working endless hours and getting burned out. Is there a way to be more selective without feeling like we're turning our backs on community needs that really need to be met? It's tough because most people who go into the industry of nonprofits, right, have a helping heart, have a giving heart and want to help everybody. So so it can be one of the most dangerous things, I think, because that that tendency to want to say yes or see endless opportunity of, of helping um, is an easy trap to fall into. I, I think strategic plans and I know I'm a bit of a a uh, broken record with it. I think strategic plans help at least provide guideposts for where you're going. Um, and then I would take that a step further, but also say, um, perhaps you can set up some sort of criteria that you set internally that your board and staff or however you want to do it sets for analyzing new opportunities. So I've seen some organizations that will say, okay, obviously it needs to fulfill our mission and support our mission. Uh, it needs to support our existing strategic plan or strategic direction. It needs to break even within a couple years, like, or we have to have some sort of funding stream tied to this. I mean, that's not whatever it is for you. Like, um, it, it needs to build on our strengths. Like maybe we're, you know, rock stars at whatever, some, some piece of, of the way we do work. So like, it needs to build on that. So I think having kind of maybe five to seven criteria that you have like an objective, you know, you're never going to be objective, but you have a group that can kind of go through to remove the automatic yes, yes, yes tendency to actually take a step back and say, is this falling in line with what we think is going to help us make the most difference? So that would, I mean, that's, that's the way I'd handle it. I don't know if, if there's, you know, if you've got other ideas, Andy, or. I think my, my first my initial thought is like, what's what's driving that need to say yes? Is it so because I've seen a couple of different reasons for it. One is that a donor comes to you with an idea like we would like to do. We think the community needs X and we want you to do it. And here's a bucket of money. Right. And and that's very hard to say no to because there's the donor involved already and, and the money's there. And so like some of those like, do we break even on it? Like that's taken out of the equation. It's much more difficult to say, well, um, especially to say to a donor, like your idea was pretty good, but not good enough for us to implement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's a, that's a really hard conversation to have with that's the donor. Delicate. Right. 
So that's a, so that's something that you probably need to address. Um, and then the other, the other piece of it is like, is it because maybe you don't feel like the programs that you've got running are actually helping serve the mission that you're doing? So the reason you're sort of, sort of reaching out to try to find like other program ideas or like, oh, that's a good idea. That'll help. Oh, that's a good idea. That'll help is maybe less commitment to the current programs. So you're sort of searching for something because you don't really feel like your current programs are up to snuff. So, so that could be another reason that you're doing it. And, and in that case, I don't think that's a bad idea. Like, so if it's, I think it's fantastic to be open. And we say this a lot about like, like how come, you know, if somebody wants to open another nonprofit and there's, there's one already in that space. Right. And, and the donors hate that because, you know, the big funders are like, well, why do we have to have seven food pantries? And the answer, you know, at least our answer previously was like, is the problem solved yet? <laughs> like yeah. the problem isn't solved then let's throw more people at it. So, so that's, that's actually an okay thing. And then we can sort of winnow out the ones that are less successful. So, so thinking of your programs in that idea, if, if the new program ideas come in and the reason you're grabbing onto them is because they are good and you want to maybe pivot to that direction. And maybe it's a good way to release some of the things that you've been doing for years that maybe weren't quite as successful or that had been brought on by a previous regime that didn't realize that times change. And we kind of need to get out of that. Like we need to get out of that kind of thing and do something new. We've talked about the March of Dimes before, right? So their their reason for existence was eradicating polio. And then they eradicated polio. Like, well, now what? We've got this fantastic fundraising. We've got name recognition. Like people like us. Maybe we just pivot to something different. We'll pivot to birth defects, which is in the same wheelhouse. And we can sort of move this whole thing that direction. We can abandon this program that we've been doing for years because it was successful and start on something new. I, I like the thinking about the root problem of always saying yes, because where I've also seen that show up is you have a visionary founder, or I don't even want to call it founder, a visionary leader of your nonprofit who sees endless opportunity on the landscape, because there is, I mean, there really is. And is always like, oh yeah, we got to do that. We got to do that. And what where I sort of want to protect the staff and just protect the organization, I don't think that model is sustainable for long. Like, I think it's great to have someone who has that kind of vision and those ideas, and there needs to be somebody else who can be like the bad cop, good cop, bad cop, right? But can be like, hey, like we are ready to burn out and kill our staff because they can't keep going through this constant change process, right? right. Like adding and changing. So I think for me, there's after figuring out where the yes is coming from, then figuring out how you have to rein that in and you've got to have some boundaries around it or else you will kill yourself and you won't sustain. Yeah. So in, in one of my previous roles, um, I was actually known as Mr. No, because one of the one of one of the roles that I was granted was the authorization to say yes or no to new programs. So um that if 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 it's a problem for you and there's somebody in your organization that you can then authorize to be the person that's allowed to say no, because then it can take it off the ED's plate. So if the if a donor is coming to the ED and says, "Hey, I've got this great idea," and the ED says, "Fantastic, let us let's let's run it by our finance team, or we're going to run it by our development team and bring it to the development team," and there's somebody authorized in that area that's allowed to say. I don't think this is a good idea. It takes us away from the stuff that we're doing, which is really effective. We don't have time to bring on more staff. And this donor, while they like this idea, um, is really thinking it through all the way, right? And so so you can say, well, we talked it over with our staff and we put a big plan together and it turns out it's not something that we're, we're, 
we're going to be able to do well right now. You know, so so give that give that person the authority to say, nope, we're not going to do that. And that sort of takes the takes the responsibility off of your shoulders for having to tell a donor or somebody that's really excited about a new program. Okay, sure, we'll do it, whatever. Hey, 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 it's your lucky day. And no, I am not Fat Albert. It's <laughs> Fat Albert that used to do that. I was pretty sure you are about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, in all seriousness, you guys, I was just literally telling Andy, I feel like I need to spice up our openings and closings. So I just did it with a Fat Albert reference. So I bet <laughs> you haven't heard that on a podcast before. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, keep your questions coming. Please share with your networks and like us and love us and do all those things that help make this podcast kind of rise up in the ranks and the ratings and all that good stuff. So I just made like five requests. And if you just do one of them, I'll be pretty happy. So thank you. And thanks to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits for making this possible.